Yeah, I definitely want um, firehouses to borrow my bike. Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the People's Republic of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. We are the show that brings you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally, with a global perspective, and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains in transit, adventures in life hacks, and today, resiliency by bike. We've got Mike Cobb here in the studio. Uh, folks may recognize that name if you've ever come into contact with the disaster relief trials. Mike, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. pleasure to have you on. And uh, just as a, a brief intro, tell us a little bit about um, wh- what what you do and wh- what you've been up to recently. We're going to get a good chance to chat about that a bit later here in the show, but give us the teaser. All right. I'm, uh, I'm job free right now, so I get to work on projects. Um, my, my grandma is 98 and that prompt, and she lives in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and that prompted me to um, uh, go into uh, temporary retirement mode and adventure mode to go see her. And so uh, I left my, my awesome partnership with Tony Tepe at Frame Builder Supply, and I left my awesome mechanic job uh, at Splendid Cycles to um, have an adventure uh, by train, by cargo bike, to uh, get out to Santa Fe, hang out. And, uh, all, and, and through, through that adventure, I, I worked on, uh, the power bike that we'll talk about later. So that's what I'm up to within the world of bikes, 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 and bikes <laughs> with well, an emphasis on cargo bikes. And we, right. we never talk about bikes here on the Sprocket podcast. So <laughs> we never tire of talking about bikes. That's oh, yes. For sure. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been up to? I get to oh, ask you first this time. Oh, Aaron first in the gate. What have I been up to? Well, um, let's see. This weekend went up to Savi Island and did some berry picking with Jane. Nice. So that was a, a nice way. I, it was, it was of course, the hottest uh, day of the week. So I think we went when it was like 95 or something like that, which ah. for me is like 15 degrees hotter than is comfortable. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to get some blueberries, damn it. And that's what we did. And, and you got them. We did. Yeah, I right got it, It's um, one of Jane's favorite fruits. And so we typically are... We'll go through and pick about as much as we can handle. And then it's like, oh, uh-huh. where'd they go? It's like two days later, you have a whole like palette <laughs> that's gone down the gullet. But I'm like that with, uh, with, uh, Marion berries and blackberries. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I said fruit. Is berries a fruit? Sure it is. Okay. It is. <laughs> I was like, shit, am I forgetting my basic food categories? Um, yeah. So we went up, picked some berries. My mom was doing some house sitting for one of the, uh, residences along the, uh, island channel up there so oh, we got cool. kind of like a, a tour of what it's like to be in a houseboat up in Savi's <laughs> uh, which is you know its own interesting little microcosm of community in itself yeah um, houseboats so, floating homes mm-hmm. things like that there's a number of those near the bus yard where I work yeah. too I guess it would be more technically a floating home it was, okay. it was more homish than boatish but uh, you know technically if it broke loose from its moorings and you like put your legs off the back and started kicking you it, it could be a boat it could be a houseboat <laughs> right um you yeah. just just install a motor or some paddles exactly you know? it'll it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> one of the things i didn't know is that apparently during the evening time uh there are a bunch of huge barges that go down that channel just next to the island and Ooh. so she was 
talking about how in the evening time you look out and I've, I've noticed this phenomenon up in Alaska when the cruise ships come in and you'll sort of have the sense of what your immediate surroundings are like. And then something that's, you know, 15, 16, 17 stories tall will all of a sudden just appear there. Um, so it can be discombobulating if you're sure. in what you think is a quiet river channel. Um, although I, exciting at the same time. I would also imagine it leaves quite a bit of a wake. Ship um, tsunami. Yeah. 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 I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't notice? there when, when, oh, okay. when, when one was going by. I, I definitely, maybe, maybe they've got like a, a governor in that channel just due to the residences, but I'm sure, sure. there's a wake from that. Yeah. It wow. was, uh, yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm assuming you biked out to Salvi, or we no? didn't bike. You did not. Okay. No, um, Jane had. How a did you get out there? So we yeah. ended up driving. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, there's, it, there's I, no shame in that. Well, you know, there's no shame, but there's also always that consideration. Uh, <laughs> so for for us, it, it ended up being driving this time. But usually we bike out when we uh-huh. head there. Um, there's been a section of the wildlife refuge kind of on the northern section of the island that you can only get through via bike most times uh-huh. so that's a pretty fun one to go check out and then uh Zavis is one of those interesting ones too where for the bike shop uh i always have to sort of qualify my recommendations when i mention that folks should bike out there mainly because you're you're talking to a lot of people who aren't used to being passed sure. by drivers going really yeah, quickly yeah. so i think it's one of those portland recommendations that a lot of local riders really love to give but then at the same time balancing that or, or the need to balance that against the comfort levels like, of, of said recommendees. Once you're on the island, it's all right. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's getting to and from that usually is, mm-hmm. is where it gets Good really old Highway weird. 30. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Important caveat. Yes. Yes, yes indeed. Um, but no, it was good. We did also, um, last night actually, took a really nice bike ride. It was, it was one of those bike rides where you get out and on it, and it just reminds you of, uh, it just reminds me of like why you do it as right a whole on. like and i haven't yeah. had one of those rides in a little while but we were trying to go um catch some food before this place closed and got on the bikes and ended up not focusing on the food aspect of it so much but just the ride and we kind of uh-huh. took a little meander around northeast north portland tried to find the bluffs failed about four times <laughs> and i was like really? I'm, not, I'm not pulling out my phone for this okay. so we just kind of like kept on going but it's just it was really nice to see and there was uh some other parties of people cycling along and i just remember thinking to myself as a driver had come up close behind us of like oh shit i gotta get over and then i was like wait no that's fucking portland like <laughs> i'm just gonna i'm just gonna ride down the middle of the road right it's on. summertime this that's the time to be on bikes pedal palooza might be over but the time to ride a bike in portland will never sunset yes so yeah it's been a good week I I echo that same kind of feeling where you have a car coming up behind you and you you got to kind of resist or or you got to uh, like talk yourself through it. Yeah, um that urge to like pull over right away. Uh, I was riding with Anna last night. We went out to uh get some groceries uh over, you know, we live uh kind of inner northeast and we went out to outer southeast at, you know, Winco, mm-hmm. the big discount grocery store oh, yeah because i think you know it's I know discount that groceries. Well. <laughs> yeah uh, really good we, we kind of took a, a roundabout way as well mm-hmm. um, going through the neighborhoods and stuff like that but yeah um i think it was like woodward or, or clinton one mm-hmm. of the more major bike ways and a car coming up behind us and 
my urge as always is to like pull over, mm-hmm. you know, get into like single file. And, and at one point I had that same realization of like, wait, we're on a bikeway. Like, yeah, you know, they're probably just looking for parking at a restaurant anyways. Mm-hmm. They can, they can wait. And, and may I add? Yes, yeah, please. please. <laughs> if, if, uh, if the space isn't shareable between one cyclist and a car, uh, safely. Yes. Then you may as well ride two abreast. Yes. Even though that often uh, presents some something that 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 drivers react poorly to. Sure. You know, but yeah, I, I hear you uh, loud and clear, and I and I like to say that it, it took me about twenty years to really refine my sense of yeah. when to be when to be generous, you know, and pull over, and or or when to when to share the lane because it's wide enough. Or when to take the lane, yeah. you know. But anyway, mm-hmm. when you're sharing, when you're too abreast, that's a mess. That's sort of messaging that you're you got to consider. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, and I think too, uh, I, I saw that quote at the bottom of your email signature, which I think is very applicable uh, by Robert Hurst from the Cyclists Manifesto, just kind of talking about the uh, liberties that cyclists take, and also the onerousness of some cyclists towards other people <laughs> in doing or taking said <laughs> liberties as well. Sure. So that. That uh, double standard, I, I, but also it's the right double standard. Damn it! <laughs> and I think, like, I think I'm sure I've been on like every side of that spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, on it, one instance or another. You know, it's a political space to me. Yeah, you know, through my lens, and I try to represent, you know, the what I what I feel is going to advance everybody's cause. You know, right. <laughs> which is which one is going to is going to help everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and for and the most with, people, I try to have like 10 percent generosity. You know, right try to on. carry 10% generosity. Like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to cut you a break. Like, I should take the lane, but I'm going to pull over now, you know, right every on. once in a while. <laughs> I feel you on the, the political aspect of it, too. I feel um, often really tempted for some of the normal routes that I ride to even just, like, print off shirts that I can wear for those specific routes. Yeah. Like, here, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. in addition yeah. to my general feelings, here are yeah. the, here's the sentiment I'd like to communicate about this particular right. road. Here's um, a, yeah. Here's a very important, simple message that I can communicate mm-hmm. with a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it, North Williams biking in in the morning is always one that has an arrow pointing to the left that says, you could be doing this right now. Because uh, yeah. classically, you'll have like a four or five block backup. Um, and that's a bit of a difficult interchange as people are trying to get onto the freeway. So actually, just yesterday, I almost um, hit the, the rear end of a driver's vehicle as they oh, decided man. well the classic like oh i need to be here now oh, let's let's right, not check right. anything and let's just turn right um that reaction that, like, that's oh, never that's happened my lane. before <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so like me and 30 other cyclists all of a sudden have to go out into traffic behind you because you're square across the bike lane yeah so anyway shirts are fun and one of these days <laughs> i'll get around to making them but today is not that day uh speaking of shirts i am wearing a new shirt Ooh. um even though, like, it's under a vest and, and you know, my scarf. But it looks, uh, it looks great on you. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing a shirt in commemoration of. Oh, yeah. Velo Cult. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, That's... They, we, can, we can get to news a little they, bit early on this one, I feel. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not a news piece, technically. I didn't put it as a news piece. Um, and we didn't really ever talk about it on the show. Mm-hmm. But it's worth noting, yeah, Velo Cult has closed its doors now. Um, the. Uh, what would you say, like quintessential, quintessential Portland bike shop? Like, yeah. Anytime uh, someone asks me to describe like Portland, 
mm-hmm. would just end up like talking about Velocult because it's got like pretty much what I believe anyways is like the best of Portland culture all under one roof. Yeah. Um, but anyways, due to various things um, beyond their control, they had to close their doors for good. Um, they will still live on in the internet and they will still have some retail uh, going on there. But mm-hmm. as far as like a space, a physical actual space, it is no more. And it was also really sudden. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 I mean, it, you will. It, especially when it goes from working to not working too. You don't want, I, I, would, I would guess from a business point of view, you wouldn't want to go too far into the non-working range because sure. then it just gets worse and worse. But has been really interesting and uh jonathan moss of bike portland i think had a had a, a great write-up about yeah them. had a great write-up about them and then also a tweet today where he was talking about and maybe actually mike would be a good person to ask about this as well as the sentiment of of bike culture sort of the ebb and flow of uh. portland and i was found myself kind of wondering this the other day is that in terms of the the bike culture that's present and in terms of my interaction with it i i think what might be happening is in some ways what we've had has never left it's just changed uh-huh. and so that that sort of gap between what one is familiar with versus what is here now and is it is it leaving or arriving or is it more just changing and um you know remembering <laughs> you what want to get me there. started yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i'm down to go into it because because i think that that's i think that that's a really specific to portland's identity in a sense and i yeah. think it's a large part of that identity i mean obvious examples being like the bicyclists on portlandia but that that's a bit more uh low-hanging fruit but i think a lot of what has attracted people to the city over the years has been in a sense that bike community and i think it is still here i think it's different um but but i've just been around long enough now to start to sort of see that change and uh-huh. to also uh try to quantify it a little bit as well well, first of all, back backing up to um, Velocult, <laughs> yeah, which I'm in mourning about, and I'd get emotional about if I really got into it. So I'm going to cut myself off. Right um, Sky, uh, a couple of months after he came to Portland, uh, agreed to host the inaugural disaster relief yes. trials. Mm-hmm. They, at they weren't open for very long before the first one. No, yeah, uh, he's backed me up there and in many other projects, and it's it's really sad to. To see to see Vela Cult go, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I feel like Portland let out a Port collective out side. Yeah, here, here here's to Sky yeah. and Vela Cult. Yeah, all the all the folks that came up from San Diego with Sky mm-hmm. to yeah. get it going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's two outsiders making it in Portland almost instantly. That says a lot to the culture they brought. Cheers. Worth mentioning these drinks provided by the Beermongers on Southeast Division and Twelfth. Thank you uh, to the Beermongers. Yes. Um, so, but back to the yeah, ebb culture, and flow of, the, of bike culture, the culture in Portland and the, and the, and the evolution of the street culture. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I guess in a sense. Um, well, that's sad too. I'm mourning about that too. Yeah. You know, officially mourning in, for sure about new Portland. In what way? Well, yeah, 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 I just feel a critical change in the, in the street culture. So I, 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 I spent my teenage years in West Lynn, uh, a suburb, you know, sure. And, um, and then spent some time away from the Portland area and then came back, uh, almost 10 years ago. And so I've seen 10 years directly of, uh, what the streets are like. And I've felt 10 years and, uh, you know, it's not, I've not been a frog in boiling water, 
I've noticed all of a sudden. <laughs> sure. Three years ago, you know, like, uh oh, things are shifting. And, uh, you know, and I, you know, I don't have science on this, but it's, it's a palpable feeling of, okay, there's a critical amount of outside culture that has come in that is, you know, I venture, I guess, attracted by the certain critical amount of gentrification that signals this is a place for you, you know, and at price points that you're comfortable with and, it, you know, with all the, the visual attributes that you're comfortable with. Anyway, don't get me started there, but <laughs> outside culture has come in from cities who have regular street culture. Right. A critical amount has come in and there's a tipping point. And I've felt that tragic tipping point on the streets. That's what I, that's what I have formulated over the, you know, past three years or four years and witnessing all my friends, you know, putting out like, Oh my God, today again, I almost got hit and right. this just feels different. You know, and then people chiming in, oh, there's 116 comments, you know, like, yeah, it feels different. I agree. I'm glad you said something because the other day this happened to me. Yeah. And it doesn't, it generally, like you said, it, it doesn't take much. It's usually like just one person commenting on like, you know, um, oh, someone's pulling over to park and almost, almost hits me. And then you're right. It's a whole chain of, of people. Oh yeah. That happened to me another, the other day that happened to me the other day. Does this uh, resonate? Does, do, do my oh, observations oh, res resonate I, with you guys? I would say definitely. Um, I mean, Portland's always been sort of a, a city of, of people from other places. It's just the nature of it. But, and, and I, for, I'm also one of them. I haven't been here for, much longer than eight years. Um, I'm not and, native. Yeah. I'm not yeah. Native and, American. And none of us are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I won't, I won't start on that one. Uh, <laughs> um, but also in the meantime, it does seem in the very recent past, there is this, this sea change of what it's like to be on the, on the streets here in Portland and, and what it's, what it's like to um, to share that space, and and it's not shared in the same way that it used to be shared. Yeah, yeah, and, ra and routing gets more crucial. Yeah, and, and then and then I, I'm really afraid of the slippery slope that's sometimes um, warned about by vehicular cyclist characters of like um, the you know if there's a certain amount of automobile drivers who witness that there are separated bicycle facilities uh -huh. uh, that that can easily shunt cyclists out of their oh, arterials. Yeah. yeah. Well, it just... Then the, the, then the belief starts to grow that that is actually where they belong and they actually right. do not belong here. No, that is that is definitely something that I've come across a number of times. 28th is a great example. Mm -hmm. um, 28th Avenue, that used to be... A, and it still is a pretty major bikeway, um, but has waned in... In the recent years of um, this, uh, what do they call it? the 20s bikeway system, mm -hmm. um, where it's a it's a number of greenways in the 20th Avenue area, 20s, 20s. And greenways, <laughs> just for our listeners, yeah. if you've yes, heard you. before, uh, streets where they're specified for bike and pedestrian travel at a lower speed. They're and supposed have, to be low stress streets, low traffic streets. Have bike symbols um, painted in the roadway. Yeah. Yeah, another shared space, though, like not exclusive for bikes, but again, often seen as not necessarily exclusive, but reserved for bikes. So um, 28th, not on the Greenways path whenever 
I'm on that. I do feel this sense of trespass. Like mm-hmm. I'm trespassing on, on someone else's property on, on car property. And that's and a that's properly not, evocative word. That's not a, yeah. that's not a, it shouldn't be <laughs> the way it is, mm-hmm. but it is, it is. And it, it does seem like it's, a, it's a fairly recent change. And there's a number, like you said, there's a number of streets that are like that. 28th isn't even an arterial. I wouldn't consider it an arterial mm-hmm. anyways. Yeah, but if it's an efficient uh, section of commute route, you know, look out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a lot of that is is also due to just the uh, general population explosion we're experiencing here. Um, just less room. Yeah, yeah. No matter who's out there, there's just there's less room. Just, yeah, there's just not enough room. Um, I think there's plenty of room for people. There's just maybe Amen. not enough room in the way that we move. The Amen. <laughs> And there is your pontificating moment for the day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for that. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a sentiment that um, I've I've heard multiple people echo <laughs> as of recent. Yeah, yeah. But but in in the same breath, I think that um, talking about sort of eclipsing moments or or ends or beginnings of eras, I I don't think we're down and out yet. I think it's different than what a lot of folks might be expecting. I think that. There are a lot of questions being asked right now, and there's a lot of answer seeking that's going on. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it down and out. Uh, I think there's a lot that we can do. No, and when I see the Corvidi Bike Club, mm-hmm. I think is a great example. When yeah. I see them yeah. doing stuff, um, and this new bike club I just found, they maybe have been around for a while, but I'm just now uh, getting hip to them. The uh, the uh, civil unrest bike club okay. um, mm-hmm. uh, really concentrating on um, people who bike and also have various disabilities and that's a that's a realm i never even like mm-hmm. um i don't want to say never thought of but certainly isn't always in the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. um, when i see things like that that gives me um a little bit of i don't know hope or or just a sense of like yeah we're not down and out yeah, yeah, and you I know, even and I even view a lot of that stuff kind of as inspirational because yeah. it's surviving against all odds, as opposed <laughs> to surviving yeah. because it's the 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 status quo, if you will. Um, and so, yeah, I think I I would echo that on the Corvidae as well. Uh, like when I went on the first ride with those folks, it was like, oh yeah, like I know this feeling. This is yeah. bike fun. This the is juice. This is this is <laughs> yeah. this is happening. Yeah, this is the juice. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, well, yeah, we're, we're we'll keep we'll keep poking and prodding that discussion. Um, but in addition to talking about bike culture in Portland, we also brought you in this evening to talk a little bit about a project you've been working on recently. Uh, fill us in. What what have you been up to on your on your gainful unemployment? Gainful unemployment. Oh, how nicely characterized! Is, yeah. Thank you. I'd like to I'd like to fill that um, characterization. Uh, I've been working on the power bike, to put it simply, um, which is um, a, a prototype of a tool that I suggest could be really useful in disaster resilience and disaster uh, recovery efforts. And and yeah, so it's a a power. Uh, so I'm working on a, a a cargo bike module tool for disaster resilience that is all about generating power, mm-hmm. both electrical and uh, mechanical. Okay. And what does that take form in? Or because or, we talked about so so setting the stage a little bit, the disaster relief trials are a means by which people would sort of take part in 
resiliency through communication, through uh, movement of materials, and and in its essence, the event itself was to showcase the resiliency of cargo bikes and and community in order, or or in their effort of um, sort of solving problems that vehicles can't necessarily necessarily solve. So in, in Pacific Northwest case, that would be an earthquake where most of our streets are untravelable. And so the genesis for this came, it sounded like a little bit out of that experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, designing the disaster relief trials and then having, having Ethan Jewett and Travis Whitwer come in and help me take it to fruition. You guys had uh, Ethan yeah, Jewett on. Ethan, yeah, yeah, you had a really excellent yeah. DRT. Real early days. Yeah, yeah. Um, podcasts in the early days and Ethan was an incredible spokesman back in the day. Uh, and yeah, so this is an outgrowth of mm-hmm. the inspiration that took root in 2010 when Haiti earthquake went down, thinking that um, people need to go on supply runs and um, portaging over broken infrastructure without fuel, um, without fuel and, uh, you know, with a need to, to portage a you know, a hundred pounds or 200 pounds is something that an yeah. available technology can do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. No so need it, to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. We've already got yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, so that's the disaster relief trials. It's an event to showcase that, Hey, here's a supply run vehicle. Do you have a cargo bike, uh, in your garage? Well, you're, pr- you may, if you have your crap together and you can take care of your family first and yourself first, you may be one of the 95 percent plus neighbors who save and help recover help with the recovery of neighbors um in the event of of a disaster says fema 95 percent, right because because we don't have a cadre of disaster professionals on standby big enough to handle especially climate affected disasters and fema is like it's not a secret you know so uh do you have a cargo bike in your garage? Because it'll probably be useful whether you're even trained or not. Right. Hey, what about training? Hey, what about anticipating, you know, mm-hmm. how you want to use it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, the disaster relief trials was an event that introduced, tried to introduce it boldly and in a fun way, mm-hmm. this concept. And now the power bike is one of four cargo bike tools that I would like to develop for both civilian use and professional use. Um, uh, within a tool bag, within a complete tool bag of disaster resilience and, mm-hmm. and response. And so, would this be something that local emergency services could look to pick up in addition to, you know, personal homeowners? Yeah, I definitely want um, firehouses to borrow my bike for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, and I definitely want to set it up to to be commercially used. And I and I am, you know, working towards that by like replacing. It's, I, I worked, uh, I volunteered at OMSI for a while. Oh, yeah. And I found out that, yeah, any pedaling, um, mechanism that was going to be on the museum floor could not use bicycle components hmm. of any kind, whether it was downhill, free ride, doesn't matter because 11 year olds, you know, will get a hold of this and destroy it. So we actually had, <laughs> anyway, there's a long way of saying <laughs> that community use is different than private use. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so I'm like replacing, you know, civilian stuff on my extra cycle, um, edge runner. Uh-huh. Uh, that is the platform for the power bike. So, a, so a that long tail bicycle. Yeah. It's a long tail okay. cargo bike that's outfitted, um, in four different ways to, to create power. 
and and it's also out outfitted to um really just uh get over terrain of any kind and portage over obstacles okay again so with that you took the bike on sort of a test trip or a, or a yeah. trial run of sorts yeah yeah tell us a little bit about that yeah so my 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 grandma is 98 and she lives in santa fe and um uh, she's in great shape and i really wanted to spend time with her and so i decided to quit my jobs mm-hmm. as mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and um uh, of course, I wanted it to be an adventure. Why not? Yeah. And so t- with train and cargo bike, I made it into a springtime Colorado Rockies, nice. um, Colorado desert, New Mexico desert mm-hmm. adventure. I uh, took the train um, with my um, extra cycle edge runner and um, components, uh, some of the components for the power bike concept um, on, on Amtrak carefully packaged to to fit within their their intricate rules i was gonna say how yeah. how was that Ma- to radical disassembly do? yeah okay makes it possible and, and, Amtrak, <laughs> yeah. and, they and using certain terms and and words and they don't necessarily weigh the boxes for amtrak they do they do oh, they, they very do. much do even for oh. the bike boxes. 51 pounds will not go oh shucks. will not go every oh, time okay. i okay. believe me i've tried interesting <laughs> i've tried with 51 and 52 pound packages before Bummer. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> anyway <laughs> so radical disassembly like you disassemble yeah. the whole bike or well the long tail won't fit in a standard bike box not a not a not an average uh mode of fashion bike box but an amtrak bike box for 25 bucks mm-hmm. is, it will. is a, a bit little bigger. bit generous oh so if you take take out the front fork and okay. the handlebar that's, that's that's the radical and the crank. I, I take off the the crank set and I uh-huh. take off the center stand. You don't just pull the pedals and off. I you take, take off the, the front, whole the crank. Front, the front wheel comes out. It uh-huh. does not get packed on the box. Oh, mm. Interesting. Yeah, and the crank comes the, with modern uh, cranks and modern um, headsets and modern mm-hmm. forks. A five millimeter Allen key can take it all apart. And then and then there's sort of pretension pretensioning tools for cranks that can be you can use a spoon for that and. So it all comes apart with really common tools these days. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so bit bam boom and you got a partial cargo bike that weighs 49.8 pounds. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Was that, uh, a consideration in the overall design of the energy bike itself or more of a yeah. physical limitation for this particular trip? Um, uh, well, Amtrak is, um, you know, there's going to be rails. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to be rail. I want any kind of disaster resilient, um, cargo bike to be, uh, rail compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what kind of disaster you're going to have? There might sure. be rails around. There might, Amtrak might be really useful. No gasoline, but there's diesel in it for Amtrak for their diesel electric, you know? So yeah, that's a consideration for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, and that made the adventure somewhat realistic. In some kind of addressing some kind of disaster. Yeah. Well, I imagine, you know, a highway or freeway could be blocked up, yeah. but um, a rail could still stay intact, you know, over this. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and hence, hence the, the suitability of fat bike tires mm-hmm. to a disaster resilient bike, right which this one doesn't have, but I, I have one in, in the queue. I have a, a certainly big fat dummy in the queue. Nice. Yeah. And some of the photos that you have from the trip too, it's um, you can tell how much fat tires might have been useful for a couple of those routes, especially in the foot of snow. It looks like we see in a few of these here. 
Yeah, no, it was only like three to six inches of oh, snow. Okay. Yeah, but That's it was good. fresh, <laughs> fresh and fluffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at, at in Silverton. Um, uh, so yeah, so I so I took the train to um, Grand Junction, Colorado, uh, which was uh, absolutely um, selected due to process of elimination because there are unstaffed Amtrak stations in more ideal locations. And if it's an unstaffed Amtrak station, they will not handle bikes no matter what. They just don't oh, take no it off. No matter what kind of bike it is. Mm. Yeah. If it's a bike, yeah, you cannot, you cannot check a bike through. I would say wow. two Amtrak's. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say, though, two Amtrak's credit in, in talking about periods of three years. I feel like in the last three years, they've actually gotten yeah, quite a bit no, better. Kudos, kudos to Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I have this criticism for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, like perhaps, hey, do you have a 20 pound bike? Uh, can you handle it yourself? You know, sure, sure. <laughs> can I sign a box? Can you that sign, says... can you sign a waiver? Yep, yep. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but anyway, I love Amtrak and I want it to exist and survive <laughs> in any form. But, uh, Grand Junction requires a real mountain pass to get, if you right. want to go to Santa Fe, you know, I didn't, and I was advised against it. Uh-huh. And so that really made an adventure. When, <laughs> when I realized, when Amtrak was like, nah, you ain't going there with the bike. No, you ain't going there with the bike. I was like, oh, I'm going to Grand Junction with the bike. <laughs> no, I'm I going am. over Red Mountain Pass. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real test. Yeah. And it looks uh, like it survived. Yeah. So it was an 11,000 uh, uh, foot pass. Um, I'd never been over a pass that high with a bike, for sure. Right. Yeah. It was springtime. So it was... Uh, possibly icy and snowy, possibly not, possibly right. sunny. And it was, uh, it turned out to be snowy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but the, the ground was always, I could always penetrate to the ground, which was just wet, wet pavement. Okay. And I, the snow tires that I took along, the studs that I took along never I had to be that. used except for because I had a blowout on my sl- rear slick Oh, like just to replace tire. another tire. Yeah, it was an unfortunate um, sort of limping along um, spare tire that I had. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. So what were studs when the... I didn't need studs? That's a, that's always a bummer. Riding <laughs> yeah, studs yeah. in dry pavement, that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah, you but just it, but it sounds like neat. grinding. Like when you used to put those <laughs> spoke cards it in your bike. It sounds moto. <laughs> <laughs> so what were some of the reactions of folks that you encountered during this trip? What, what were... What were people's I'm glad general you impressions? Asked. I'm glad you asked because it was so positive. Okay. Um, there may have been one negative event that I have forgotten because it was flooded, because See? it was flooded up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and I had people wanting to help and I got handed popsicles on a hot day from a car that was rolling by with a, with a kid in the back seat. <laughs> you know, cool. didn't even stop and, you know, and it was so cool. I was like, yeah, you don't even have to stop. You hand me those popsicles. Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, near Pagoda Springs out in the country in Colorado, uh, I stopped to get uh, some water from the uh, San Juan River to filter. And uh, somebody noticed that my big old crazy bike was parked on the road. And they came down on their four-wheeler to investigate. And they invited me to their home. And they gave me a history tour. You know, mm-hmm. this place that was inhabited by Native Americans and this tribe fought this tribe and then they, this tribe occupied this land and then there was a, st- you know, store up here and the, the natives used to, the Apache, you know, which was the later occupation, used to travel a day to get um, alcohol and cigarettes up mm-hmm. here, you know, huh. anyway. 
could go on and on, but I, yeah, I was, um, treated really well. Um, I, I mostly was autonomous and didn't need help other than those popsicles on that 90 degree day. <laughs> can't, can't discount the popsicles. Yeah. yeah. But people offered help along the way and, uh, cheered me on. And, um, it was just, it's, it was a ridiculous 200 pound load, um, load carrying cargo bike. And, and people saw that I was earnest, right. you know, and that I, and that I was happy. <laughs> and man, I just got a good reactions the right whole on, time. <laughs> yeah. For the um, trip itself, was it something where the power generation of the bike, was that something that you would set up sort of nightly as you camped places or the function or intention of the bike? How, how often was that used while on the trip? Uh, so I, I brought a Garmin, um, a Garmin uh, device and um, a, a tablet and um, you know, I think those are the the main things that I charged. And I brought so I brought solar panels, and I brought um, a, a, a naked uh, a wind turbine that I that I that I ad- addressed the other needs of mm-hmm. along the way to incorporate into the system. Um, I brought a rock the bike pedal generator. Um, What's that? That's a that's a really refined um, electricity generator that runs off a friction wheel uh, mechanism. Friction wheel dynamo. Okay. Uh, runs off the, the rear. Uh, like an old bottle dynamo. Exactly. From a bottle? Similar. Exactly. Oh, like a, okay. Just imagine that and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. But bigger, bigger, bigger and really efficient. Okay. With super, uh, with custom circuitry that, that outputs uh, 110 uh, uh, alternating current. Mm-hmm. You just plug things into a, an outlet that looks familiar. Nice. Alternate, <laughs> not, not direct current. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I could get into details on how that, how they can do that. And, and also the, the, uh, the electronics are sealed within the friction wheel. So you just have a uh, electrical cord coming out. Mm-hmm. Super robust, worked through standing rock, worked through, um, you know, 11,000 foot pass, um, just naked exposed the elements. Anyway, wow. I did not have much need for power other than, um, chart, you know, I was like luxuriously charging my iPad and my, and my Garmin wasn't so luxurious because that's cool to have, um, at, for navigation. Sure. And also though I had a tracker, a, a tracker system based on the Garmin and the iPad together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allowed me to, um, pe- worried family members and friends who are, mm-hmm. who I was oh, meeting right along on. the way. They're like, damn, I know exactly where he is. <laughs> and, and then you got your own little dot stalkers. Yeah. <laughs> dust dust stocking occurred and that was supported by the power generation of the mm-hmm. of the system that I was building. And, um, and so the intention of this bike would be somebody has this in a community and there's a need for power. So that, that person would use this as sort of a modular system where, um, let, let's say, built on the extra cycle sort of long tail style. You could have four different uh, intentions or purposes. And, and with the power bike, the intention would be to arrive on site, know that you've got needs for devices, but no necessary means of power. And the bike would then provide said power. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, um, um, the, um, New York city, um, hurricane, Sandy. hurricane, Sand- yeah. hurricane Sandy. Sandy. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there was, um, automatic, uh, uh, response with cargo bikes yeah. and, um, pedal, pedal generator bike times up. Uh, that organization yeah. set, set up a pedal generator station and the, and it was wrapped around the block, uh, the, the line, um, of people with devices, dead devices wrapped yeah. around. So, um, 
uh, that, you know, there's, there's already a, a really, um, there's historical precedent for how, how pedal generation is useful for devices. Yeah. It shows but, that there's a need. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't even know my girlfriend's phone number, you know, without Good looking point. at my device. Yeah. <laughs> the only phone number I can remember is no longer even in service anymore. It was a landline to like my, yeah. my mm-hmm. home growing up. Yep. Yeah. So, hey, first of all, just write things down on the, and then <laughs> laminate that piece of paper. Okay. That's, that's reasonable. But also mm-hmm. the phones are still going to be, our smartphones are still going to be useful yeah. and they require so little electricity to light up and um, give you access to a wealth of data. Mm-hmm. And cell towers um, are robust. And in most uh, cases, cell towers are going to survive. And satellites are going to survive for your satellite connections to navigation on your smartphone. And so just got to have these devices powered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of one of those interesting um you know, capacities of technology circa 2018 is when these large events would happen in, say, any time prior to that invention. You really do have a different way in which things are handled. But the ability of of most people, I remember, I guess, in, in an example of cell phones, when they were first really making it mainstream, that public switchover from like public device to private device, where cell phones are incredibly personal these days, it wasn't originally viewed or, or thought of that that would be the case and, and and that ship has sailed but the nice benefit of that is that pretty much everybody has one mm-hmm. or if somebody doesn't there is a decent chance that you know I would, someone nearby one in ten probably yeah. has a cell phone or something like that so it is a it is a nice networking communication tool particularly in the context of disaster response yeah and and not not to mention getting into the really techie stuff of local networking um systems and technologies uh-huh. and apps you know mm-hmm. mesh yeah mesh thank you yep. yeah that 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 should be refined and and more broadly introduced into uh, disaster response protocols it occurs mm. to me i don't know what mesh is mesh is kind of like the internet for people who don't want other people to control the internet it's sort of a interlinking of computers between each other so that data can flow without a a invisible hand guiding said pipes kind of like going back to the bulletin board system a little bit like that it would be it would be like if um i could choose for for my phone to turn on and, and to share the data i wanted to share and people would have my address and be able to visit my phone and say oh cool this is this is guthrie's phone if i know where to find it okay. but that would be facilitated through a um more distributed network as opposed to being piped through any uh, specific like service provider or such and i'm ah. uh for our true mesh fans in the crowd are you're probably yelling a little bit at me right now <laughs> so so i would encourage folks well, to look, right look that one up let us know um, yeah but but yeah distributed uh, communication that doesn't necessarily rely on a single company or a single network in order right to get the job done. So when you don't have access to your ISP, your mm-hmm. provider or whatever, yep, because you could still be on a local network can, as long okay. as the as long as the lines connect, right? And 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 that was set up at Standing Rock. Oh yeah, yep. S- set up and thwarted and set up again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's worth mentioning that you were you took your bike out. To Standing Rock, yeah. Uh, was this part of the the whole experiment, or Absolutely. was this separate from that? Absolutely, was was part of the okay. genesis period of the of the power bike experiment, mm-hmm. starting with just the off the shelf rock the bike um, uh, pedal generator uh-huh. um, that uh, that uh, I, I took their their 
their sort of last prototype prior to production. Oh, wow. And I took it out to negative 23 degree <laughs> weather in North Dakota. Put it to the test. And I just tried, when I offered it to peddlers to charge phones, I never uh-huh. had to pedal. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I charged, the record was, I think, 23 phones uh, chart, being charged at once hmm. at peak. Wow. On, and I got to situation, situate myself uh, on the, what they called Facebook Hill. Which was the target, uh, the bullseye of the uh, reception target. Oh wow! And some some year, hundreds of years from now, historians will, 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 will <laughs> yeah. potentially write. And upon Facebook Hill, <laughs> I, I hope not, but that's a little funny. Um, Sorry, good help that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, and it and it uh, survived with no maintenance requirements. I I did get um, USB. Uh, USB ports full of snow several times and, and always had volunteers who were willing to take them into a tent, into a warm tent and mm-hmm. paint with a toothpick and, um, you know, Q-tips, get it all cleaned out. And so nothing ever failed because I just took care of those things. Mm-hmm. And what sort of, what needs did you identify during that event that sort of found their way into the eventual design that you worked with for this most recent uh, trip? Well, well, my idea was to, um, provide, to make sure that nobody's devices, no, Citizen journalists was without a powered device. Period, and um, and I brought a man a USB manifold uh, so I could do thirty two USB uh, power power ports at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned about the cold, about charging in the cold mm-hmm. outside. Batteries hate cold. <laughs> yeah, they totally hate cold. So, um, luckily, electronics there was, hate cold. There was um. Plentiful donations to Standing Rocks, sometimes too much of things. And what we did have too much of were chemical heat packs, which I don't like to use, you know, like they're going Yeah, it's like a one time thing. Oh my God. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I could have made an, I could have made a shelter out of uh, cases of, (sighs) you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, I made a little um, mylar sheathed uh, ovens, I called them, you know, device ovens. That were loaded with uh, chemical packs kept it kept the batteries super happy. Nice. So I, do, you know, I, I know how to set up my charging table for for that kind of weather now, mm-hmm. and I really didn't before. You know, mm-hmm. I remember that was definitely not- one I had to learn when I lived up in yeah. Alaska because uh, I had a an old like something generation iPod, and to my great surprise, I would pull it out and try to take a photo or film something. And I got about 30 seconds in before the device was like, nope, not not doing it. Yeah. So, I, so I learned very quickly to like store yeah. it in my innermost pocket before yeah. attempting anything. I would I I would get up before sunrise and often um, assisted by um, morning call, beautiful morning call with like really good philosophy, really good indigenous philosophy, really motivating. I'm like, I'm up, I am so up, and I'm going to catch the sunrise. Right I get up there with like a 40 percent on my iPhone. I'd take it out for 10 seconds and be like, oh, out of batteries. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, people, um, and then there was, there was, there was legitimate, um, um, Dakota Access Pipeline, um, contractor interference with communication systems and in, including, uh, cell phone. I've heard stories to that effect. It, it happened. Mm-hmm, yeah. But then there was, of course, paranoia about happening when it wasn't happening, of uh-huh. course. And so people would, people tell. who aren't used to using phones in the cold, which included a lot of the population there. They'd be like, "Oh man, I got dappled. I had, <laughs> I had a fifty percent and a yeah. zero, man. You know, <laughs> and, and I, it, you know, it may just very well have yeah. been the cold. And I, it and I mean, not, like, put your phone in the oven. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. relax, you know, yeah. pedal the bike, get warmed up. I think we're going to be okay. Right. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, in terms of the, the construction of the bike and the trip taken most recently, do you feel like you're kind of situated with how you want that experience to look or are there things that you're looking to add into or sort of rework, um, getting closer to that final version or that, that vision that you have? Um, I need to do more uh, wind turbine testing. That's the, and I'm also develop, need to develop the, um, power takeoff mm-hmm. system for the mechanical power. Turbine as in ener- energy generating, not tunnel testing. Cause, yeah. Cause at 200 pounds aerodynamics <laughs> yeah. are shite either way you slice it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pedal. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I had a friend from Standing Rock, uh, who, uh, rides an elf. A uh, cycle car, mm-hmm. electric. Those things cycle. are cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a solar trailer, with a solar panel roofed trailer. He came by my house for to visit and to. Well, he would say he doesn't visit. He's always utilitarian. It's funny that I would say visit because he wouldn't say I came mm-hmm. by to do things. You know, <laughs> like not to just visit. Right. <laughs> We're not going to hang out. Yeah, I helped him re- make his. You know, I replaced his trailer axle and and yada yada. Um, and he said, I don't think I'm going to, um, use this free sample wind turbine that this com- Chinese company sent me. Oh yeah. You want it? I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. That's the fourth component of my power bike. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 200 watt uh, wind turbine. I think that's really nice too, because one of the, one of the biggest struggles that, uh, renewable energy in general deals with is sort of load and peak versus off peak. And so being able to diversify the types of power input that you're generating can solve one of those problems in terms of availability. Yeah. Um, but that, that's something that, you know, it, the, the technology as a whole deals with. And so especially like having that as a microcosm of itself on a little, on a bicycle uh, yeah. is, is pretty neat to see. Well, back, and this brings us right back to your question about what did I take away from Standing Rock to help me develop the power bike. Um, there were some wind turbines at Standing Rock uh, near me that were buzzing, like their bearings were getting hot mm. because oh. the prairie, the northern prairie, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they get they get winds and blizzards. Yep. If you have a robust enough guy line system, a blizzard is awesome and you get power all night, mm-hmm. and, you know, you might have a shutoff circuit because it's spinning too fast, yep. you know. Yep. If you've ever seen a wind turbine on fire, you can get the yeah, pitch wrong and yeah, it doesn't always work yeah. out. Yeah, I hope your bearings are greased up good. You know? <laughs> um, and so I thought, gosh, that's obvious. And some of these wind turbines are small and obviously portable. And and so it was all immediately a mission. And so I, along the way, I, I met with another Standing Rock friend in Colorado um, who's a sustainable uh, electricity generation pro. Um uh, literally, and I consulted with him on all the circuitry required to um, uh, to make the the to convert the turbines uh, current into um, uh, to connect it to my uh, uh, goal zero lithium ion battery mm-hmm. um, with the proper uh, charge controller that the battery will like. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that was the first stop on the, on the wind turbine component development. Okay. Um, and then later in Santa Fe, uh, my cousin, who's a, a metal worker, helped me uh, build the mast for that. And, uh, and then I suddenly had a, a mast that's, uh, well, and then uh, in, uh, in, in, in uh, Colorado, I visited my friend Ed, who's a fabricator and uh, developed the bracket 
welded up a bracket for the mass that's integrated on the extracycle mounted where an e-assist optional e-assist battery should, oh, yeah. should mount so really super solid sort of like the belly of the extracycle right. takes my mast and uh so anyway i'm develop I'm, I'm just right on the verge of of making sure that that works and is robust enough i need to take it to uh like crown point mm. you know, and and uh, see what i can do somewhere way up there where there's like yeah a, make, uh, make a trip out of it and and just uh try to make it fail Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best. That's the best way to test it. So Just break it. <laughs> so yeah, and this the the twenty four hour uh, availability of electricity is what I'm going for. And at Standing Rock, had I had this three electricity generation component and one power takeoff component um, power bike, I could have been going twenty four seven. If there are projects to do that required electricity or mm-hmm. or rotational force. Um, you know, could have been accomplishing that. Yeah. And sounds and, like can in the future. Yeah. Wind at night, sun at the day. It's, it's wonderful to have solar panels and a wind turbine, you know, the one, two mm-hmm. punch. And then the pedal generator, um, doesn't generate as much electricity as those, as those guys do. Um, but, but you can do it whether it's windy or sunny. Or- mm-hmm. What, uh, what sort of timeline are you looking like or looking at on this project? Um, well, there's several timelines in my head. Um, there's a, there's a long-term timeline of just experimenting with, uh, airdrop deployment. Okay. Of the power bike, possibly a power bike. Oh, yeah, plus. I saw a picture and caption about airdrop. So we're okay. talking about I've like interesting actually tossing it out, out of a plane. Yeah, tossing it out of a plane. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, there's a, a couple dozen ways to toss it out of, of, of a plane. <laughs> Um, and then you toss yourself out of a plane and, and, uh, try, sure. to, try to find it and then ride it away. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, 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 that's the, uh, one of the, uh, ultimate out, uh, envisioned outcomes. Um, with a shorter timeline in mind, um, I, I did support a, uh, a music show at Pirate Island on, uh, the east, east bank of Willamette River. Oh, okay. Yeah. To prove that I could do a P, a power PA system. Was that during the last Sunday Parkways or? It, it was the Saturday before the Sunday Parkways. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and so that sort of, uh, that just sort of basic proof of providing a robust amount of electricity for, an event, uh, you know, a group of people that need things. Sure. I mean, a band is a pretty, pretty large draw of electricity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, the pedal generator was putting out for, uh, 32 to 38 Watts, um, f- to power the, the speakers. And, um, and then there was solar powering a mixer. Okay. And, uh, so we had a solar pedal powered, uh, uh, mix. Nice. So, and, and then, uh, there's a vague timeline in between now and this air deployment idea. Um, I want, I need to come up with events that, uh, that could help me prove, you know, prove the ultimate power of the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say, um, you know, in 2018, I'll have a prototype that I would like to lo- loan to a fire department. Mm. Yeah. Or or to a bureau of uh, emergency management or there's mm-hmm. some county um, to have fun with. Yeah, get it out there, get some testing done. Yeah, yeah, cool. Needs to be robust. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. I'm not just designing it to actually 
yeah. move electrons, you know, or move charge. Um, I'm designing it to not break and move move charge. Right. You mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, working for Almsy, having actual bike components on things. Uh, they yeah. Tend to, they tend yeah. to break a little easier. Then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I volunteered in the um, metal fabrication shop at Almsy for a while and uh, got to make a pedal generator back yeah. in the day. And uh, the prototype, I was allowed to use bicycle components. Uh-huh. Is it the one, just asking out of morbid curiosity, it's not the one that does the light bulb or the the generator up at the top of the main floor? No, it, it never it made it? it out of the shop. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember it, one of my favorite demonstrations of how much like energy it does actually take to power things. They they get it up there and the, it shows your watt output of like, cool, you, you are powering like a usb uh i can't remember what the example was but a light bulb like even 110 Mm. watts like that's an insane amount of right an old school incandescent light bulb like oh my god i'm pedaling Mm -hmm. hard i'm doing a led you're okay but incandescent 80 percent heart rate yeah (laughs) yeah it is a good demonstration of oh yeah for for energy conservation advocacy there's a few better lessons to allow people to internalize an understanding Mm -hmm. Sure. How to save electricity <laughs> and when to save electricity. Like, mm-hmm. hey, try to make toast with that uh, pedal generator, you oh, know, right then you'll really know what, mm-hmm. what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, short of living on a property that you can put a Pelton wheel on or something, you've, you've got to find some way to solve that. A, a Pelton wheel being like a, 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 a heavy, um, can't think of the name. Uh, it's a sort of a generator that relies on uh elevation in order to do most of the work so uh, you take you take water at a higher elevation constrict the pipe down to where it shoots a uh, tiny little wheel at the bottom uh, of a hill right, right. and uh what if you're really clever with it what you can do is you can use the wheel during the daytime to pump water back uphill Amazing. and then just run out of your tank in you the evening time know about this mechanism no i was thinking of yeah. fly, flywheel which comes up oh, if you if you have oh, a stationary gotcha. pedal generator you better Pelton better wheels. have a flywheel if you're serious. You oh, know. for sure. But uh, yeah, no, this is completely different. Oh, you're, you're good. I was. It was more a joke of like, well, you're not always going to have a you know two two hundred acre property. You can string <laughs> some pipe down. Yeah. Uh, a really good yeah. example if anyone's looking. A lot of times it was used in remote mining operations. Still is for the great greater part. But the Opal Creek uh, Environmental Center just east of Salem is a really good spot to see a uh, active Pelton wheel, Whoa. which powers that community. Oh, I'm there. Cool. Fun fun times. <laughs> so uh yeah thanks thanks for coming in and and chatting with us this evening is there anything that we haven't covered or or anything you kind of want to get out there and into the world before uh we sort of wrap over towards our calendar news and headlines um yeah i i would i would uh like people to think about um helping me test uh my pedal powered pa yeah get in touch with me right on um through the show perhaps yeah Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, test, testing for, uh, uh, an outdoor music show or an outdoor, uh, film. So, um, that's the word I want to get out there. Like, like, let's have, it's still summer. So let's, yeah. let's make music outside. The beautiful thing about the Pacific Northwest is summer hangs on just a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. That yeah. was fun. I, and, uh, I really enjoyed my, uh, Tumalo cider. Yeah. Courtesy of. Courtesy of the Beer Mongers on Southeast Division and 12th. Yum. Thank you so much. Where they might not have a pedal-powered generator, but goddamn, those fridges are cold. Yes, and so. they do have a seat for you. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, would you like to stick around for our calendar and headlines? Yep. Awesome. Excellent. 
I love, I love, I love, I love don't don't ever use that. <laughs> don't worry, Tim. We won't use that. And before we talk about our calendar here, I actually just wanted to mention quickly as we'd, we'd briefed over it, did you know that our friends at The Path Less Peddled have a podcast? Oh, did you yes. know that, Aaron? Yes, I do know that. And I am chagrined for not mentioning this earlier. Oh, yes. I think we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get it out there before we got to anything else, because that's how excited I am to see yeah. what Russ and Laura come up with next. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's on their podcast yet, or they also have a YouTube channel that mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure some of you probably already know exists, but if mm-hmm. you don't already, uh, and it, it's worth watching. I love how uh, well they know their audience, too, because they, they just come straight out and say it. If you like independent bike journalism, <laughs> uh, yes. you will probably like Pathless Pedal. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, they, they do really great work. Um, it's been a been an absolute charm to see them evolve over the years. And uh, if you've not experienced the joy of Pathless Pedal yet, check out their podcast. Yeah. It's coming down the pipe. Um, I was going to mention they just did the Hiawatha Trail in Montana. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it's out yet. but It is. Uh, it is. Yeah, just well, this afternoon. <laughs> oh, well, look who's on the forefront here. <laughs> it's the the one, nice. one or two times a week i go on youtube up hey what's going on right on cool well i look forward to watching it um mm-hmm. i don't know it's, it's really good it's really good okay yeah. great of course it is <laughs> it's the path less pedal <laughs> right on so now with that leading into our calendar the second thursday of every month the joyful riders club in minneapolis minneapolis hey guess who's going to be in minneapolis soon Hmm. Well, possibly me, but also my partner. So, Anna, you should go join the Joyful Riders Club when yeah. you can. Bring, we'll, we'll send the recorder. Um, get us oh. some audio. <laughs> Tell us how it goes. Yes. Uh, the second Friday of every month, the Boston Bike Party. Also the second Friday of every month, the Indianapolis Bike Party. But also, also on the second Friday of every month, the East Bay Bike Party. And the last Friday of every month, the Baltimore Bike Party. And every second Sunday of every month, right here in Portland, the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. And we mentioned or talked about them earlier on the show. Truly, if you've if you've not gone on a on a large bike ride in Portland recently and you're looking to just settle right in with a really fun ride, check Possibly it out. Possibly the most welcoming group ride. Oh yeah. That, that regularly I, i'm like trying to qualify possibly the most welcoming group ride in existence right now holy shit <laughs> that's that's an Aaron qualification that's right i like it i would also uh, agree august 7th that's tomorrow is national night out and if you can't find a block party to celebrate national night out just turn your porch light on and hang out outside and have a party of your own mm-hmm on August 11th, the Swift Summit Northwest, where Sprocket Podcast will be on site, yes. getting the scoop on all the details. Uh, Eric Iverson is going to be writing, Armando will be writing, and I will be there um, at the start and all around of the course, riding around with uh, Trevor, who has organized this, and uh, getting some audio from any of you people who are writing, or even people who are just there hanging out. Come hang out and talk with me. Tell us your thoughts. Yes. August 15th, the E-Scoot P-Town Throwdown. Yes, from the original Scooter or E-Scoot gang here in Portland. Mm-hmm. August 19th, the Portland Century. And September 2nd, the Tour de Lab. Where so, you c- oh, go ahead. Oh, you're good. Where you can use code SPROCKET18 yes. to receive $5 off your entry. September 8th and 9th, the Bike MS150. And something A new. One new. Here. Yes. Yeah. Uh, September 13th, 
Dr. Something's Beaverton Transit Single Release Party. Yes. Hint, it involves music. <laughs> Beaver, uh, Beaverton TC is a song uh, that Dr. Something, uh, the person slash group, has put together. It's, it's a great song. Uh, mm-hmm. and, that I um, haven't had a chance to listen to. Yeah, they're having, they're having an actual produced uh, single come out with it and uh, it. their release party is on the 13th at here in portland at kelly's olympian um along with talented local artists uh, jenny wren and motor coat i believe if i'm reading that correctly um the full six peaks six piece doctor something ensemble will be playing some of the aforementioned new transit center songs oh yeah they are also going to have a transit themed ep coming out soon um the doors open at 8 30 and the show starts at 9 p.m seven dollar cover and it is a 21 and over venue on september 20th the street books fall celebration yes their fall celebration uh, from 6 to 8 at Lagunitas Community Room. Uh, they have surprises up their sleeve, they say, and more details to come. Mm-hmm. Go check out Street Books. And Street Books, for those who don't know, is a mobile library by bike. Oh, yeah. They've got a, I think we've talked about them maybe eight or nine episodes ago, just in passing. But uh, they basically ride around different communities and have a, a lending library, a uh, chance for people to read books and to engage in the process. So um, really huge fan of what they do. And they have a feature from Old Town Chinatown, which is my neck of the woods. And it was really fun watching what they were up to because I got to say hi to a few folks uh, through the television screen. Ah. And, and, and hi a couple days later as I saw them in the bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, September sec- 22nd, sorry, the Lowell Kinetic Sculpture Race. In Lowell, Massachusetts. Yay. And... Um. We've got some... Oh, yeah, some mail here. Go for it. You, really? You sure? sure. Uh, I'm not sure, but but go for it. <laughs> it's Well, it's it's sort of mail, sort of sort of calendar here, and it says, Hey, Sprocket Podcast, an event I am training for and would love for you guys to read on your announcements. It's the Wheels on Fire 100, a century race with a 50 and 25 mile option uh, to Kumari, New Mexico this Will be my first century, and I will be doing it on my 2015 Surly Ogre. Yes, Ew. with two and a half inch wide tires. Hoping to be as surprisingly competitive as possible. Love the show. I've been listening for quite a bit. Isaac Martinez. Thank you so much, Isaac. Yeah, and we look forward to hearing how it went. On November 9th and November 10th, the Portland Podcast Festival is coming back. Yay! Anna's mom, can we count on you? <laughs> I think we may have already submitted, but it, oh, is, okay. it is a great... Uh, I was asking Anna about that, too. Hey, they're accepting submissions. <laughs> um, so, some upcoming Film by Bike tour dates. Snoqualmie, Washington, August 24th and 25th. Eugene, Oregon, August 31st. Chicago, Illinois, September 14th, Hood River, Oregon, October 30th, Akron, Ohio, November 4th, Arcata, California, November 15th, Bendigo, Australia, November 30th, Phoenix, Arizona, November 30th, and Boise, Idaho, January 18th. Mm-hmm. And that and was our calendar. And now for... What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It's circle. 
from OPB's Think Out Loud, we get to talk to we get to gets in on the scooter talk with Corey Poole calling in. Wow, that's a harder sentence than I thought it would be <laughs> when I started reading it. Well, it was a terribly crafted sentence, and I apologize. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. It's excellent. <laughs> but yeah. yes, uh, Corey Poole calls in to OPP's Think Out Loud. They were mm-hmm. doing a segment on the scooter craze. Yeah, and they were talking with, I believe it was, the director of the Portland Bureau of Transportation in regards to the rollout. And a yeah. uh, really good 15-minute segment, if anyone's got the time. I think they covered some very uh, legitimate concerns, uh-huh. and I really appreciated it. Because outside of the, the you know, sometimes sounding board that is our conversation on scooters here uh, around friends in town, it's it's good to see what the city's take is on it and, and what sort of questions they're asking, what problems they're addressing, and then also what the roadmap looks like going forward. So yeah. if you're looking for a really good synopsis and also a bit of a probe into the pros and cons of what's happening in far, as far as scooters go in downtown, um, check it out. OPPs Think Out Loud. I think it aired uh, just last week. Yeah. And I will say, again, you know, this may be like kicking a dead horse here, but overall, the scooter rollout has been pretty drama free. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was maybe uh, um, some snark or um, uh, some, I don't know, talk beforehand, mm-hmm. like before the rollout. But then like once the rubber hit the road, mm-hmm. uh, pun slightly intended, uh, it, it was it was fine. Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll try to get the link for it. I am blanking on the name of the episode right now, but I <laughs> had a really um, great experience of listening to a open panel on the scooter rollout in San Francisco that aired. Uh, I think it was last night on OPB. Uh-huh. So I'll try to I'll try to find it. But basically, it was a round panel of folks who had already been subject to that, talking about a lot of the issues that I think. Portland will be coming to deal with in terms of the sort of dockless uh, sharing in general. And one of the really neat points that ties a lot into the work that you're doing, Mike, is just the sheer sort of tropic levels, if you will, of energy consumption between modes. And one of the things that I think hasn't really been talked about in regards to uh, Portland's rollout of the system right now, and this has actually prompted some questions that I myself would like to ask the city, is that I didn't know it, but most of the scooter companies will give you a $5 credit and you become a certified uh, charger, if you will. So it's actually, uh, in in a way, supplementing the gig economy. And one of the biggest discussions that's going on in San Francisco is, you know, well, great, you're getting five bucks a scooter, but is that what we want is that the vision and if so is that vision not only supporting those individuals but supporting and uh bettering those persons uh prospects in 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 doing that work and so um you know contracted versus non-contracted employees i think that's a big discussion that's going to be happening but what i got out of it uh was a, a appreciation on the level of the uh impact that is present on our grid and so the scooters make sense i think not only in a in a one less car type of sense but also in a one less car by the way and less impact less charging uh and more more trips that can be done with such a smaller impact than what you'd see with the current status quo so i think it's going to be you know with the rollout that they're doing in that four-month trial period something that we'll need to keep sort of probing and discussing further uh, but a lot of really good points were were raised in that from a city that's already been experiencing it for a, for a little while there so i'll try to get you the link there and we could maybe post it at yeah. the end of the show yeah awesome um 
Any thoughts? Too much. Change, change, change is painful. You know, <laughs> <laughs> change is like change. Just, just think of uh, like when bicycles started coming out and terrorizing the horses. Sure. You know, back yeah. in the yep. 1880s or whenever it was, mm-hmm. and and then then think about when the the automobiles came out and started terrorizing everybody. You know, hey, if, it's, if it's 2050 and we're 80 percent, eight ninety five percent driving scooters, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> hey, could, I could be down yeah, with that. That uh, <laughs> that's an improvement, sure. And <laughs> you know, I so I saw a group of of for lack of a better term bros on scooters the other day and my my first instinct gross <laughs> scooter bros gross <laughs> uh my first instinct maybe not the best was like uh look at these guys like you know out terror not necessarily terrorizing <laughs> the streets but like you know i used air quotes not. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like you know uh just bros but also in the meantime <laughs> hey they're not bros in cars yep you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, think of the chances. We'll take it. And, and, <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe they might be not so broy as I think they are because well, they're out on a scooter and getting some actual oxygen and seeing some actual sights and people instead of being, mm-hmm. you know, caged in this this vehicular unit with glass and steel. And I would like like to also think that outside of that uh, snap judgment, which I think we're all like guilty of. Let's let's be honest. Um, if 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 that is what it takes to have one person change their tune or even sure. be open to changing and, said tune. I mean, think about how many... And I will I, say that... You, you technically you know, call that it like That says more about me than it says about them. Oh, sure. Know, yeah. I mean, we, we totally are. totally willing to wear that. <laughs> your, your badge of honor. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, even if that sort of changes the conversation or opens that avenue in anybody who uses that as a form of transportation not previously explored... That is uh, some really nice progress that's True. being made on that front. True. All right. That was that was that was great. That, that was, was that was our headline. <laughs> <laughs> and now for we got mail. Hey, we got mail. Paul L. in Corvallis writes in on Aaron's picture of donuts in a Caritas bag. Oh, yeah. If you guys happen to follow us on the Instagram, I, I took a picture of a half dozen of dough donuts. They fit perfectly in my Caritas long flap. Almost yeah. as if it was made for each other. Yes. Paul uh, says, I thought everyone switched from wide saddle bags to skinny ones that stick up in the back. Glad <laughs> there's still some holdouts. Yes. Well... First Keep off, repping, Aaron. I've spent way too much money on these things to go <laughs> to change to anything else. <laughs> yeah, we can't we can't adopt new new status quos every three years. I, yeah, we got to have at least ten year status quos. And not to denigrate the ultralight bikepacking crew too much, but I'm just somebody who has to take everything with them, regardless, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. even if it's just around town. Isn't go go away my bag and see all the unnecessary stuff Isn't that I it have in there. Like super weird too, because I think when I started getting into bike touring, my sentiment was is that like, oh yeah, if you're bike touring, you get Ortliebs. Yeah. And it's yeah. just it's just not that way anymore. It's just not. Uh so it's kind of funny. Get feeling. yourself some paneers. Catch up now. You know, when you're when you're <laughs> yeah. feeling like yeah. so you you've got your kit dialed, you're like, this is great, and this is this is kind of like hilarious because my Ortliebs have actually been on their last legs for about a year and a half now. And just earlier this week. I just patched up the holes in mine. Oh god, yeah. So I, I went out to the hardware store. That was that's another like long term project. There's a really great 
demo online of going stainless steel with all of the connectors uh, that it, that are currently served by plastic in uh-huh. most Ortlieb bags. Uh-huh. And the reason I'm trying to just egg my bag along is that I'm not actually a fan of the new attachment systems that they use. And the, so uh, the Q the QL two or QL three something yeah. two or three one of those. It's not the one that's for sure. But the the beauty of the, the originals was that you could put it exactly at the spacing that you wanted because yeah. it's it's a it's a slider and you you screw it in at yeah. the place you want it. Uh, with the new ones, you get a bit of wobble in it, so you can't get it just perfect mm-hmm. like glove like fit onto the um, spacing for your back rack. You can oh can if you, you put the. <laughs> If I, I know break this it and just glue it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know this because because I almost had a QL3 attachment. Okay. Uh, I'd love to, to know more. You have to put the conversion kit like mounted oh, permanently on your rack. Okay. But then a- after you've done that, then it, it fits, you know, perfectly to the bag that is, huh. is made okay. for it. I hadn't but considered that. That was that was a barrier to entry for me. Wow. I, I feel enlightened. Now I have to permanently attach this thing to my rack mm-hmm. that is permanently attached attached to my yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's your new rack <laughs> cool well i will i will continue looking into that the uh the class the main class broke earlier this week and ah. that's when i'm like oh well trip to the hardware store or 200 dollars <laughs> worth of panniers yeah it's gonna be a trip to the hardware store right so yeah we'll, we'll keep egging it on six years and going strong although not as cool anymore <laughs> <laughs> uh phil b in alaska He's now joined our not-so-official Strava group that we have. Welcome. Uh, yes, welcome. He says, Grr, what's a bear say? Hello from the Great White North. Hello. Hey, Phil. And Mr. Mr. T in Montana says, I've ridden the past, or I've ridden past this place outside of Helena uh, for a year or two. It always makes me think of Aaron's Lionheart Kombucha. And at first thought, I thought it was a daycare. Then maybe an elder care or something. Then I stopped for a drink of water and was looking more closely at the sign. It's a medical marijuana dispensary. And did you happen to see these pictures? Yep. I, yep. I'll try to pull them. They're up a bit ambiguous. Everybody. I could I could see how it's a what was it? Lionheart like the care or lion what did they call it? Oh, let me it's, pull uh, up these pictures. Like if you picture a, a a medical symbol, if you will, like the snake wrapping around the sword, it's it's kind of like the lion of that. Unless I'm misremembering there. Lionheart caregiving is what they call it. And yeah, it's got like two lions, a little medical symbol, like a flower or something. Cleverly it's disguised. Lionheart caregiving. I could see why you might think it's a daycare looks, or elder care. Looks kind of Euro. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like yeah typical American uh, branding. No, no. Well, it's also because uh, in Portland, the dispensaries are all competing with each other. So it's like bigger, wider, more extravagant. Mm-hmm. This is very, very subtle. Very they understated. also all use that that green plus mm-hmm. or green cross and and you don't see that on this sign i think so i think I similar to the ipas in terms of like hop content uh-huh. I, I feel like our dispensaries are competing on who can have the biggest green plus sign <laughs> mm-hmm. this week it's this place uh, next week who will know which which is just stand me and standard pharmacy in france oh, oh really? really yeah the, green, the plus. green yeah yeah huh. mm-hmm. yeah uh, Bike oh, to it a little bit there and apologize uh, to French people visiting Portland. You yeah, might, you might not get <laughs> what you're expecting. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it, when I was touring in France, I'd accidentally get a little excited when I'd see a green plus. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Oh, wait. No, this oh. is just a regular pharmacy. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm in France. Ch- <laughs> yeah, chapstick and Advil. Mm. <laughs> hey, you know, <laughs> chapstick and chapstick can get a fellow along a certain That's true. Indeed. Hmm. Uh, uh, lastly, we have uh, some audio from Isaac where. I believe he mentions the 
aforementioned uh, race that he's a part of. Mm-hmm. And I'll edit that in later because I don't have it in a format that is playable on my iPod. Um, so therefore, I couldn't pipe it in live. All good. Um, but thank, thank you, Isaac, for uh, sending us some audio. And also, if you feel like you, listener, feel like you want to send us some audio, go ahead and do that. If it's not in a format I can play on my iPod, I will convert it to a format that I can at least play or edit in later on. What's up, Sprocket Podcast? This is Isaac from Española, New Mexico. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of material and say that I love all of your guys' material. Um, I think it's great. I am a commercial driver, and I pretty much listen to about three episodes per day. Um, I recently found your guys' show uh, to the thing of the Pedal Shift Project with Tim Mooney. Uh, he also has a great show, um, but I like your guys' material just a little bit better. Um, Yep, so I just wanted to call. Oh, I also have a little bit of a funny story this morning on my uh, commute to work. Uh, Nice long 13 and three quarters of a mile commute. I got a puncture in my uh, tire, uh, which was actually a previous puncture, but I put a plug in it and it didn't, it wasn't quite holding up. So, I'm like, well, let me just throw another plug in this hole. And I flip on, flip over my bike on this small uh, back road. And this is in pitch darkness. And uh, I, I get all my stuff out and I hear something rustle around in the, the bushes nearby. And I'm thinking, oh shit. Like, what what is this? Is this a bear? Like, is this somebody sleeping in the bushes and they're about to jump me or something? And so I grab my flashlight and I shine it over there and it's a horse. So I had a little spectator while I was repairing my tire. But, uh, and then shortly after I ran into a, a skunk. Luckily, he was scurrying across the road um, and didn't spray me from the bushes. But, uh, yep. Just want to call and say thank you for all the material. I love it. Um, keep up the great work, and I look forward to more. Thanks. Well, and that brings us to the end of yet another perfectly good Yay. episode, <laughs> or so we hope. <laughs> and, of course uh, it is. Oh yes, perfectly passable. Perfectly excellent. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Mike, once again for joining. It was my pleasure, and thank you for hydrating me. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Our pleasure, or should we say pleasure of the beer mongers? Indeed, we should. Thank you, beer mongers. And also, uh, we should take a moment to note, speaking of sponsors, uh, oh, yeah. this show simply would not be possible without the many, many people tuning in and listening each week, each month, each year. 
oh shit, I'm taking too many cues from OPB's pledge drive. <laughs> uh, what we're trying to say is that we we sincerely do appreciate the support. And Thank that's, you so much. That's yes. one of the reasons why we read all of our sponsors' names at the end of each episode. Uh, literally would not be here if it weren't for your support. And so not to say that you should donate, but if you found yourself on the fence or otherwise, or just want to chip a buck in every now and then here or there, um, we thank you for that and would encourage you to consider it. And either way, we'll be here rocking on and uh, appreciate the support. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us. And here's our closing. The Sprocket Podcast is produced at StreamPDX Community Audio Studio, thanks to generous support of Open Signal. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774. Please call or Twitter at Instagram. Or, sorry, or Twitter and Instagram at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our sustained theme music. Herbert for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. And thanks to sustaining donors, all of you. Logan Smith, Shadowfoot, Katrina Melongard, Wayne Norman, Ethan Georgie, Doug, or excuse me, Eric Iverson, <laughs> Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weitz, Todd Parker, Dan Gebhardt, who's, who's a, a time, time traveler, traveler. Dave, Dave Knows, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Cooley, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, I'll be home soon. Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G. Myself truly, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regranary. Campsite, Magnus, David Nathan Poulton. Chris Rawson, Rory in Michigan, Michael Florney. Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay, Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel, EJ Finneran, Brad Hipwell. Thomas Gato, Keith Hutchinson, Ranger Tom. Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam, Derek Wagner. Jason Offenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grossbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron. <laughs> Sean Baird, Simon, Gregory Braithwaite, Ryan Morrow, Jimmy Diesel, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks, and Marshall. And to all of our former donors who've helped us get this far, now brush your teeth and go to bed.